0: Take it's your girl, Tamika. It's your boy, E-Rock Milk. Listen, we keep it real. We keep it raw. We keep it uncut. All day. We are Marriage Takeover. Takeover. We help couples win in their marriage by identifying their triggers and breaking generational cycles. Boom. So, welcome to the Marriage Takeover Podcast Show.
1: Welcome. We are... Into this place You do
0: that every single time I should be used to it by now Welcome (laughs) We are excited to have you um on the show on today. So welcome to a new episode. We are gonna be talking about financial literacy oh, on man. uh this this episode. This is the month of April. Yes we're excited about just all that um we are gonna learn. We're gonna talk about to help you get your finances in order. Get your so, money rights.
1: You feel me? Listen, let me tell you real quick, as of you already know. You know what? Before we dive in, let's go, let's ahead. go ahead and let's pray pray in yes, real quick. Yes. You ready to go and pray? Open us up, because I opened us up on last
0: episode. Lord, we Thank you. We honor you. We bless your righteous name, God. We just ask that you would just continue, Lord, to have your way in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would continue to move, that you would continue to breathe upon the people, that you would continue to allow your oil, God, to drip upon the people, Lord, that you would have your way, God, in our lives, Lord, that you would continue, God, to move in all of your power and all of your glory in our lives, that you would sit with us, Lord, in this session. Mm Mm-hmm. Teaching us, God, how to be good financial stewards, yes. teaching us, God, how to um, manage our finances better, God, opening up our eyes, God, and exposing the bad habits, exposing the things, Lord, that are hindering us mm. from being able to move forward yes, in our lives. And when it comes to our finances, we're yes. asking that you would sit with every household, that you would continue to be with every individual that uh, that listens, that yes. listens to us live, that listens to us for the recording. God, we just thank you and we ask that you would continue to have your way in their lives that you will continue, God, to just breathe, that you will continue to show us, that you will continue to teach us, and that, Lord, you will continue, God, to have your way in our lives in the mighty name, in of the name of Jesus. God, we magnify your righteous name, and we glorify your righteous name, God, because you are such a sovereign God, yeah. and, Lord, you don't withhold anything from us, mm. and so we thank you for the blessings that you have for us. Yes. Now, God, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, prepare our spirits, God, prepare us so that we are good stewards, God, position us and posture us, God, that we aren't wasting peaceful when mm. you bless god in, the name, jesus, in the name of lord, jesus lord you continue to be glorified in jesus name yes. we thank you and we honor you in jesus name amen amen amen,
1: amen. <coughs> all right let's get this thing to- hey listen we talk about finances <laughs> on the day listen i'm gonna tell y'all as you already know it's marriage takeover we're gonna keep that thing real raw all day so the one thing about it, you know, we are when it comes down to finance and I say just real quick, just with our background, because I have my degree in accounting and finance. And so therefore, you know, we we tend to work with the money a little bit. But this was the funny thing, though, for us, with us, we've been in and out of debt like this. Yeah, <laughs> because it got to the point where. I could <laughs> handle someone else's money, but I had a hard time handling my own money. So, or oh, right. can I say our money? <laughs> right, 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 right. And so, I guess what... I'm, Let's just start out real quick. Let's take it
0: just. And I will say before we lead into that, though, finances is finances is one of the things that leads marriages to divorce. Oh man, that and communication, like and sex, and you Mm -hmm. know, and and, um, infidelity. Right. Like those are the top four things that will drive your marriage to divorce quicker than anything else. Quicker. And so it's understanding your money relationship. Yes, understanding and how that affects you. I remember when we were. Um, and I, like the first couple of stages of our marriage, like it was horrible. But we had no idea Hold on. what Well, I will say. I had no idea no, what no, I no. was doing
1: with money. No, no. She had it right. No, we <laughs> had no idea because when you sit back and look at it, like for us. So I knew for me, it was a generational thing. I, I can't say generational thing. It was how I was kind of brought up because all I knew was struggle. I didn't know nothing about abundance. I didn't really, cause I didn't see the abundance come by. And so it's like when I this was my this was my learning of money it comes in I spend it it comes in I spend it it comes in, I spend it. Why? And because it's I'm not, still trying to come I'm still trying to catch up from behind bills. Right. And it's not just
0: what we're spending it on. It's not th- just that we're spending it, but it's what we're spending it right. on. And and being able to change the money mindset around what we consider a priority.
1: Mm. Right?
0: What we consider to do things differently, how we consider to do things differently. Right. How we consider assets, how we consider liabilities, how we consider to allow our money to grow what for us. Right. Right. So right. it's learning that was a struggle for us just because we did not see it exemplified or see it growing up
1: right because i mean like for for me you know i know how i feel to have the lights off i know how i feel to have the water cut off i know how i feel it's one time it was like yo phone got turned off it's like like so all i all i knew when it came down to money was that i just i Got to put food in the house. I gotta try and keep the lights on. Got to try and keep. Got to try. You hear what I'm saying? But (laughs) when the money comes in, I'm spending more on stuff that don't on stuff on stuff that are not necessities. But then I'm putting my my necessities last. And so now you're talking about bringing this thing into. A household, now that you're married, now you got to figure this thing out. Right,
0: right. And it's it's a challenge, it especially when you're not on one accord. Oh, man. Right? That power of unity is so powerful. It's so powerful. And being able to submit, right? We think of submission only that, oh, I have to do what my husband says. Mm. We don't think of submission or as let me submit myself to your strengths. Right. Let me submit myself to what you do well. Right. We don't think about the submission when it comes to that way. But no. with the submission, it wasn't given to us just to mm. say you have to do what your husband says. No, wipe that foolishness out. That's taking out of context. Yes, it is. Because the scripture says submit one To, to another. another. So that means that you're both submitting to To each each other and you're submitting to each other's in your like whatever your weekend, but your spouse is strong in. You're submitting that to your spouse. Right. Okay, honey, you do this way better than I could do this. Right. So I'm gonna let you handle this.
1: Right. And so this so before I kind of because I really want to give you a kind of background on where we came from with this. And so for us, I was more because of how I just knew money had to be a little different. So I, I, in my mindset, I can hold money. With Wifey's mindset at the time we got married, it was no, we got spend. Because I mean, honestly, because I so, was the spender for so, sure. <laughs> because like, it's like, don't get me wrong. And I was an emotional spender. Right. And so, and that, and and a lot of times we don't recognize what kind of spender we are. So it's like for me, I would spend, but I would spend on what I wanted. But versus Wifey, like she said, she was an emotional spender. So. Whatever the emotion was, she wouldn't spend. So it was like, hey, we need to do this. So what happened was this was the piece that, that hit us back in 2001. We moved to uh, to the DMV. And during that time, that's when the
0: housing market. That was. is the D.C. metropolitan uh, Maryland, Virginia area. <laughs> for those who don't DMV. know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the DMV. So, But when we moved here, um, wife wanted to buy a house. And so all this time, you know, we were, I mean, we had, I don't had money because I knew we was moving, so we don't had money saved up, ready to go. But we had, we had accumulated, before we moved here, we had accumulated so much debt. Yeah. When yeah. we really didn't have to. Well, we didn't have the, we didn't have the understanding of how money works. And so for us, when we moved here, it was like, okay, yeah, let's just go get a house. Got you. They approved us for, of uh, 20 Four thousand dollars. was like, "What old. we
0: gonna do with twenty? We <laughs> we gonna go and get a trailer, like a mobile home? Like what we gonna get for twenty four thousand dollars? We couldn't get nothing. <laughs> nothing." And so that started us on our journey of, okay, let's figure this thing out, right? right? Because my mother didn't have a; she didn't actually get a home until I was a senior in high school, actually. And then when she got a home, it was a mobile home. And shortly after I left to go off to the military, it was foreclosed. Mm-hmm. So there was like no stability of. Now my grandmother on the other hand my grandmother and my aunt mm-hmm. they have had you know homes and my grandmother's home was like the home it was like the matriarch of the family it was the home we always went to for holidays for whatever we needed if we got in trouble if we got evicted we was going to grandma's house like she was the house and so her house has been paid off but she didn't teach that to her grandchildren mm. My aunt didn't teach that to her nieces. We just saw that they had money, and it wasn't a conversation that we were having at the table. It wasn't a conversation that we were having at the holiday parties and the holiday get-togethers and the birthdays. We were not having that conversation.
1: Right, right. And and it was awesome because, I mean, they wasn't—and it's like for me, it's like my mom, she didn't purchase her house until— I think I was a senior, or either I was getting ready to go off to college or something like that. But she ended up she ended up losing, but she ended up losing it, ended up getting foreclosed on. But my brother, he had bought his, he had bought a house, but he was literally the first one that set me down, yeah. and showed me how you how to handle your. Basically, he set me down and showed me what a budget is. And I was like, come on, hey, big shout out to my, my brother Anthony. But he sat me down, show me what a budget is. Yeah. And so now I and this is what he said to me. I remember he said, he said, dude, hire you an accountant. You can do a budget for, for other people, but you can't do a budget for yourself. He said, No, bro, that ain't right. So this is how you do your budget for your home. And so for me, I was able to pick up on that quickly. But when he showed me, I was like, Well, this is what this is my mindset. I said, we don't have a home. He was like, where do you live? I said, well, we live on base at the moment. That's your home. So everything that runs in and out of where you're living, those that's that's your business. I mean, he began to break it down. He began to show me. So I was like, yo, this is what's up. So now coming in, now I'm coming back and let my wife know, hey, babe, we got to do this. And remember what she was saying in the beginning, it's like unity in your, in unity, in your marriage, especially when you're talking about fighting, when you're talking about anything, unity is like, it's, it's, listen, if you're not on one accord, it's going to make everything hard. You want to know how I know? We had a total of, what was it? I think It was a total of $20,000. No, it was, it was like, like 20, $25,000 $25, yeah. worth of debt. But it took, for me trying to do it myself, it took five years, almost. It took four and a half, no, four years to try to pay it off, but won't make it no headway. But and so what happened was now the I think the economy kind of shifted to where the housing was was pretty cool. So what happened was we moved off base, got an apartment, and I think it was that one they sent the letter saying, Hey, just want you to know at the end of your lease, which was like six months from that time frame, um there, there was going up on the rent. Yeah. She saw that letter and was like, hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> we could be paying mortgage it's, for this amount. A, this is a mortgage payment. <laughs> but from yeah. that point, guess what? She jumped on board. It took us five months to pay off $25,000 worth of debt. And so what do you say? We're going to break it down on, on how we did it. But it when we got on the same page, got a one accord, guess what? And we only paid, well, I think it was a month or two, month-to-month um, uh, month for the rent to be moved to yes. purchase so the house. so we did
0: a month-to-month month for three months. And, and, then, and then we were able to then purchase wow. our own house. And so
1: we're talking yeah. about in one year's time, in one year. So you look at it. When she jumped on board, it took us eight, eight months to, for one, it took us eight months to build up enough money to put down on the house. And to pay off $25,000 worth of debt.
0: Well, we didn't have to put more, a lot of money down because I'm I'm a veteran. I'm a disabled vet. So, we didn't have to put down a whole lot. I think we put down $500. Hey, and then no. we got money back at that, the table. That, that, yeah. So, we had yeah. to put
1: none down at the table because they gave that back to us plus some money. Yeah. Well, I, that's another story because right. we almost. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> we almost
0: walked away from the table. Y'all y'all know how, how E-Rock them do. I, I'm trying to tell you. So, 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 today we have a special guest. Oh, And so um, we do have a special guest who kind of she is a money coach. And so we want to invite her to just come in and share some nuggets with us and to serve the community on how we can make sure that you are doing the very best when it comes to your finances. We have Shaquana Watson Harkness, who is a money confidence coach and personal uh, finance contributor who has been featured on Grow, CNBC, Make It, uh, KYW News Radio next advisor in Black Enterprise. She is the founder of Dollars Makes Sense and her goal is to empower professional women to gain financial confidence, to manage, save and invest their money without fear or overwhelm. Mm. So let us welcome Shaquana to the show and uh, we're just going to dig in, ask her some couple a couple of questions and for her to be able to share her expertise around finances, her expertise around kind of how we can save our money. So welcome Shaquana. So go ahead and tell the uh, the audience about kind of how you got into this journey and a little bit about yourself and um, yeah we'll go ahead and we'll dig in and start asking a couple of questions with you
2: and I was a a broke college student because I think all of us go to college broke because we don't have 529 plans and you know seed money to go But anyway, so I wanted to go on spring break with my girlfriends um, and I didn't have money to go. So I didn't know if I can go with them, but I was trying to figure out how I could do it. So I was coming back from class and at the time, credit card companies could set up tables in front of dorms. And that was really a breeding ground for what we see today with, you know, two point trillion dollars in consumer debt and counting especially when it comes to credit cards, because it really starts in college. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, a lot of college students are broke. They are looking for ways where they can make money. And if you don't know anything about credit cards and how they work, if someone approaches you and say, hey, I can give you $1,000 or more, and you don't have to show really no evidence of how you're going to pay it back, you just have to sign on the dotted line, you're like, of course, why not? So that was me. I fell victim to it. So I went to the table they gave me a T-shirt and a mug and they said, hey, <laughs> you, know, you should get approved within a week. Um, probably about five hundred dollars or more. So I should have known that was a trap. But like I said, I'm like, hey, five hundred dollars is a lot of money. You know, it's an 18 year old. So I'm like, OK, great. A week later, sure enough, I got the credit card. Went on spring break, had a wonderful time, maxed out the car, mm. but <laughs> two things occurred with that trip. So the first thing was I got on a plane and I actually went to my first spring break trip. The second thing is to introduced me to the world of personal finance because up to that point to um, what you were saying earlier, I didn't have money conversations in my household. I grew up with my, my mother and my grandparents And even though my grandparents were great stewards with money, I never had a conversation with them like, how did you guys save money? Like, I always talk about my grandfather, um, where he, every five to seven years, he would purchase a brand new car, but he would pay for it in cash. Mm. And I thought that was so remarkable. Even at that time, I never, it never really resonated with me. But, you know, as I talk about it now, and I'm like, that's amazing because nowadays that's kind of rare for someone right. to pay for a car in cash. But when I think about his generation, they had to be self-sufficient. They had to save for major purchases because they couldn't get a mortgage. They couldn't get credit cards because of the, the racism and the segregation that was going on back in the fifties. Like they had to purchase their home, which I think at the time, was 7000 when they purchased it, but they purchased it in cash. So they kind of had that skill of saving money and being really good with money because they had to do it out of necessity. Where nowadays, we don't really have to do it out of necessity. We do it as part of our lifestyle of managing debt. And whoever is really good at managing debt, of course, seems to win financially, but that's not true. But anyway, so, so over the course of my college years, I accumulated more debt. Um at one point I had to I was in collections so I had to go through um consumer credit counseling and do a debt management program to get out of I think about twenty thousand dollars of credit card debt and I went to the program I think I completed it in about three years but I went right back into debt. So <laughs> over the course <laughs> of 20 years, you know, I went through spells where I paid off a lot of debt. And then I went right back into debt and just it just basically was an endless cycle for the next 20 years. And then 2017, it got to a point where I was really sick and tired of living paycheck to paycheck. Even though I was making a high five-figure income, I was a homeowner. I had all the things people aspire to have, but I was really miserable. And I was financially, you know, I was ashamed and I was broke. But the biggest thing was that, you know, I know I needed help with managing money, but I, it wasn't a thing where I was comfortable in talking about it with my friends. Because if I told my friends, like, hey, girl, you know, I had to, like, take a 401k loan out just to pay my bills. They gonna look at me like, girl, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and So I didn't want to hear that drama. So it's like a lot of us, you know, deal with that day to day. But we kind of suffer in silence. So I said, I got to do something because I can't continuously get in this cycle because I knew that if I stayed in this space of just, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. So basically getting paid on Friday, but by the next Tuesday being broke because I paid everybody else and I only had maybe a hundred dollars or left to to live off the next two weeks, I was going to accumulate more debt and I just didn't want to go down that path. Mm -hmm. So in 2018, I did some research and I found a financial coaching program that had great results in getting people out of debt in a very short period of time. And I'm like, well, if they can do it, why can't I, you know, and I took a leap of faith. I was kind of scared about whether it would work for me, but I figured I had nothing to lose at this point. So I went for it. Went through a nine-week program with my husband, which I kind of had to bribe initially to go with me because he's like, well, <laughs> you're a financial advisor. Why can't you get out of debt? I'm like, those are two different things. We'll talk about it later. But if you go with me to this first class, I'll give you some Dunkin' Donuts. So that was kind of like the bribe, <laughs> you know, to go to the first class. And then pretty much after that point, he kind of brought into the process and we went through it, did my first budget. And then 20 months after completing that particular course, I paid off $169,000 of debt.
0: Oh, wow. So now what
2: I do is I teach people my my framework of how I did it so they can achieve the same results or better in a shorter period of time. Sweet.
0: So I love that. I love that. You said a couple of things. Listen, we, you sold your soul for a t-shirt and a mug. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's I how they get it. you. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's how they get you. I remember uh, when we, our son was actually, his high school, um, mm-hmm. he was a high school senior mm-hmm. when he started getting, like, the notifications yeah. of credit card, and we were like, son, don't mm-hmm. do it. Wow, leave that alone.
1: <laughs> yeah. So he
0: has been faithful in not doing that going off to college, because right. one of the things that I am so grateful for was, number one, Eric's brother. I call him my brother. He's he's my brother. Not my brother in love, but he really is my brother. Um <laughs> But for him, as well as Jay Cameron... Um, a lot of people may not know about Jay Cameron and just his like he is so wise and he also helped us to shape how we see money, how we see life, how we right. shape our priorities and had it not been for those two, we probably would still be struggling today. Right. And so mm-hmm. now that we're able to get out, it's like okay, now we were able to get out. Now how do you help others? And so I, I'm so glad that you have now come out of that and $100,000 worth of debt yes, and so then now helping others. Yeah. So I love that. So how did you change your, your money mindset? Because I believe that it's a money mindset. Like you've been doing something all of your life, the same way, certain different things. How do you change your, for somebody who may not have the tools that you had with the the nine week program or your program that you have, or somebody to say, Hey, listen, why don't you try this way? How do you shift your money mindset?
2: Yeah, for me. So when I do my initial research and like I came across that podcast with the financial coaching program, to me, my mindset prior to doing my research is that, you know, I'm going to always be in debt (laughs) because everybody around me has debt. You know, everybody got card debt, mortgage debt, credit card debt. So it seemed like that was normal and it was normal to be in a situation where you're The more money you make, like more money, more problems. That's what it Mm -hmm. seemed like it it was to Mm me. Like Mm -hmm. the more money I made, it didn't really seem to alleviate the financial problems I had. If anything, it made it worse because I was spending more than what I was actually saving or bringing in. So so for me, the, the shift in the money mindset was being exposed to something different. So what I mean by that, when I started to do my research and I looked at the financial podcasts or different ones, I was hearing people saying like, okay, I'm debt free. I'm able to do the things I want to do, whether it's travel the world or you know invest in real estate or do all these things that I aspire to do. And I wasn't having those conversations with my own circle of friends because like I said, we all were kind of in the same situation technically but we never really talked about our money mm. challenges and how we're really going to get out of it. So I think being exposed to people that were on the other side of going through mm. those challenges and and really believing that, okay, if they can do it, I can do it too because, you know, I just I just figured being in debt is normal. Everybody was in debt. Mm-hmm. Right. So just having that exposure really changed the game for me.
0: That's good. That's so with the um Talk to us about starting a budget, right? Or, or, or let me ask this question before I ask that. What are the foundational elements to get started, right? With getting out Ooh. of debt, with saving money. What are the, what would you say are the foundational elements? What do we need to start with in order to kind of get to the end point? To get to where you are, where do we need to start?
2: Yeah. So, so the first step is really, really understanding what your relationship is with money. Mm, and that good. really digs a little bit deeper into your money mindset. So what I always ask my clients is like, what are your limiting beliefs when it comes to Ooh, money? Oh, that's good. And what are you going to focus on in the next 90 days to overcome those limiting beliefs? That's and good. sometimes they, they kind of conjure up a lot of emotions and feelings, like you know, things that they've dealt with in childhood. There might be some trauma there, or it could be like past financial mistakes that they never really were able to overcome even though those mistakes happened like years ago but it still resonates with them today with how they deal with their money so I always focus on that because I can give you the greatest financial plan based on your current income of how to get out of debt but if you're if you have like money mindset blocks or financial trauma then it's really not going to make a difference because you're always going to find ways to self-sabotage yourself in one way or the other based on that financial trauma or past money mistakes. So we focus on the money mindset first. And then the second thing is I hate to call it a budget. I call it a financial blueprint. So I put a little, Ooh, a little okay, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, like a so I always say financial blueprint because that really, lays the groundwork of what you're going to do with your money. Are you going to invest your money? Are you going to save your money? Are you going to um, find ways where you can reduce your debt based on your money? So it's like a blueprint, and you, you pretty much dictate how you're going to use that blueprint. But with the blueprint, you know, I always focus on, like, we pretty much know, unless you have a job where you're making your regular income, how much money you make. The biggest hurdle for people when it comes to budgeting is knowing how much they're spending mm-hmm. yes. and tracking that spending and being very intentional with understanding that. And that can take anywhere from a month to a couple of months to really understand your spending habits and spending patterns. And that was the biggest hang up for me. Like I knew that I was making a great income, but I didn't know how much I was spending every month. I just looked at. With my budgeting, I would look at my online banking and say, okay, this is how much I have in my checking, this is how much I have in my savings, and then I would go from there. So once it hits zero, I'm going to use a credit card. <laughs> that was my budget. <laughs> but if you really want to be intentional with your money and give your money an assignment, then you have to understand your numbers. And once I really went through my numbers, I was overspending by 3000 a month. Oh wow! And when I calculated that, I'm like, "Girl, you could be a multimillionaire by now." you like, <laughs> right, right, right,
1: right.
2: I had to get over that initial stock myself, but now I'm in a position where I can make up that multimillion that I lost in the back end, and really make it up going forward. So you just really have to understanding your spending and being very intentional with that. And once you kind of master that that financial blueprint. You're working through those limiting beliefs and overcoming the limiting beliefs. Then you can focus on how I'm going to knock out this debt. And there's two different ways you can do it. Um, one way is the debt snowball method, which is what I use. So basically the debt snowball method is where you line up all your debts from smallest to largest, you pay the minimums on all your debts, and then any extra money that you have, you add it towards your smallest debt to what's paid off, and then you work your way up to the next highest debt, and then you go down the line, and it causes a snowball effect because eventually, you're going to be paying off debt at an accelerated rate. Right. So that's the method I use, and that's what I teach. Some people do the debt elimination method based on your debts based on interest rate, which... I guess that's an effective method as well, but I like the debt snowball method because you get the small wins, you feel the momentum, you get excited. You're like, okay, I paid off two thousand dollars of credit card debt. My next debt is, you know, my car. You know, what can I do to add more savings? And you find money in your budget, and you start really being more intentional and being excited, and then you feel that that confidence when it comes to your money and that's why i call myself a money confidence coach because the main thing i focus on with my clients is building that confidence that you are good with money your past money mistakes don't dictate who you are as long as you don't keep repeating those mistakes (laughs) i love it i love it i love it i love it
1: i love it so so when it comes down to couples like how do you when you're talking about you know because Everybody has their own set, you know. You got some couples, they got their own separate accounts. You have some couples, they got their mm-hmm. own account. So it's like, and you know, then you're dealing with two different backgrounds when it comes down to money and trying to, I guess, get to that f- debt free or how being able to handle their money better. How do you deal with couples when it comes down to the to the uh finance? Very good question, because normally
2: you know, my ideal clients are women. So the women will definitely reach out to me and they say, hey, you know, I have X amount of debt or I'm trying to save X amount of money, but my husband's not on board yet. How can I get my husband on board? (laughs) And I usually tell them that, you know, you have to be the example. You have to show him that if we do this plan, then this is what we're going to get in the back end. And this is how it benefits him in the process. Because I know for my marriage, you know, my husband wasn't, you know, really gung ho about going to a 9 week financial coaching program at a church at nine o'clock in the morning on Saturday. (laughs) So (laughs) I had to bribe him with food initially to get him on board. But once he saw like what the program was about and the benefits of it, and I kept telling him, babe, you know, if we follow this program, you know, we can get out of debt x amount of months. And then if we do this, we can go on the vacations you want to go to, or we can invest in, you know, that that gas oven. He's an executive chef, so he loves cooking. Mm-hmm. So oh, we can invest sweet. in. That oven you're looking for, <laughs> you know, I I sold him on the benefits of why we're doing the overall mm-hmm. why. Okay. So I think with couples, I always try to emphasize that you have to sell your your mate on the why of what you're doing, not so much the mechanics or the features of, oh, we're going to do a budget and we're going to eliminate debt because that's cute, that's nice, but they really have to be sold on the process. And then over time, if you're really serious about it and you're intentional to follow the plan- you keep promoting the benefits of how it benefits not only you but your your mate then over time your mate is going to buy into the process okay
1: okay okay Okay.
0: that's good stuff good stuff Mm -hmm. well thank you so much and so you are listening you're tuning into again the marriage takeover show and we have shaquana watson harkness who is with us we're gonna take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back invite you to Thursday night, Kitchen Conversations, taking place 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you're on the West Coast, if you're on the Central Time, listen, we're meeting at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in our kitchen, and we are inviting you to sit at the table, to sit at the kitchen while we're cooking and having a conversation with
1: you. So come on out. Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Kitchen
0: conversation. Marriage takeover. We want to invite you out to Couples Prayer Monday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Standard Time. Every Monday. Listen, because we got to pray.
1: Pray. 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 (laughs) We (laughs) got to pray just just to make it today. today.
0: Listen, this is an opportunity for us to come together, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're divorced, whatever your relationship status is, for us to come together and be able to just come and fellowship and pray with you and for you. And this is an opportunity where we do that every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we'd love to have you there. Join us.
1: And we're back. It's your boy, E-Rock Nell, and my wonderful wife, Tamika. Hey, Bo. We are back once again Tell them baby who we got So we have
0: Shaquana Watson Harkness with us She is a money confidence coach And we're talking about finances y'all This is the month of April And we are trying to help you shift your money mindset Get your money together And really be able to um, Live the life that you always wanted to live So if Mm -hmm. you're just Tuning in you have missed some nuggets The first half so make sure that you go back and you watch that And then we're just going to go ahead and we're going to pick back up So Shaquana you mentioned earlier about just kind of if your spouse is not on board, um, kind of how we get the spouse on board now, what if we do have some couples in our space who are separated, right? Because the work that we do is helping the couples to get back together. So, if we have mm-hmm. couples who are presently separated, and they're trying to right now, their home has been split in half. Mm-hmm. So, although maybe one spouse has already left, the other spouse is there with the kids, and s- most of the time, the spouse has left that other spouse with the money and all the bit well, with we all the with bills. The bills. Not necessarily, but with the bills. So Mm -hmm. what advice would you be able to offer to, um, whether it's the husband or the wife that that is sitting at home, waiting through the process, trying to honor God in their marriage, trying to honor God and be obedient to what God is saying. But the reality is, is Lord, right now, I'm struggling with my finances because although my husband or my wife left, they are like they left. And but I still got all the bills and I got the kids and I got everything else. I don't know how to see the light of day. What advice Mm -hmm. would you be able to offer to them in their financial situation?
2: Yeah. And that's and that's a tough situation. um, You know, when you're going through that, because there's a lot of emotional things that you're going through as well. Um, and the finance just add more fuel to the fire. Right. So in that situation, I always ask, like, do you have an emergency savings account or some type of fund that you can leverage for those type of emergencies? So I always focus on, OK, what can um, you do as far as getting your getting your hands on some cash based on the bills that you currently have? So I always focus on if they do have an emergency fund account, they can leverage that to hopefully, you know, help help them um, manage their bills for now. If they don't have that in place, then I tell them, okay, look, prioritize your bills. So you know, what is a priority? Food, shelter, utilities, like basically, what are your needs? Prioritize those needs. Look at your income. And kind of see where are where are the gaps in that, in that process. And then once you identify those gaps, then is there ways where you can probably delay payment, to where you won't be penalized? Is there ways that you can work out something with your spouse that you're separated from, where you can get assistance from them? So just try to be creative to where at least you're figuring out a game plan to making sure that all your needs are met and where you have gaps, trying to find ways to fill those gaps temporarily until that situation gets worked out. But hopefully, if you don't um, have an emergency savings account, then that would be my second approach to kind of focus on that. And then thirdly, if there's other assets that you have that you can get your hands on too, where you won't be penalized. So what I mean by that is, um, depending on if you have investments that are not linked to retirement accounts, you can get your hands on that and maybe liquidate those investments in order to make sure that your bills are paid or anything of that nature. Because the the, the last resort is always retirement accounts. I, I, I strongly discourage people to cash those out for any type of emergencies because if you're less than 59 and a half, you'll get penalized. The fact that you're taking it out before that uh, age of 59 and a half, which is 10%, and then you also get taxed your, your, um, your tax rate, whatever that is. So, but that's normally the approach I would um, recommend for someone in that situation.
0: Good stuff. Thank you so much. And they consider the amount of money that you pull from your retirement as income. As income. So you get taxed. Yeah. <laughs> so In it's like three times. So have know. we. <laughs> so I'm like, don't <laughs> like if you have to do it, okay. Good let buddy. let it be like the
1: last, the last
0: resort. resort. You, you but really if you can do adventure. anything else beyond that, don't do it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah.
0: Wow. No, that was good stuff. That was good stuff. Now, um, one of the things that I know that you mentioned a, quite a few things. I just remember when Eric and I, we were getting out of debt. So we've been in and out of debt three times. And like you okay. you mentioned, um, somebody had mentioned when we were, we were, um, this was before we started our journey. We were in Alaska and I, mm-hmm. this was our first or a second year of marriage. And somebody was around us and we were talking about finances or something. And she mentioned we'll always be in debt. And so uh, when you yeah, mentioned yeah, that, yeah. it reminded me of that because I was like, mm-hmm. will we always be in debt? And it wasn't until we were exposed to something different that we realized, like, no, we can't, like, we don't always have to be in debt. Right. And so. and mm-hmm.
1: Um, because I'm sorry, I, I cut you off. You did?
0: And one of the <laughs> things that I love about what you do in your process is you deal with the money mindset first because although we got out of debt the first time, when we got back in debt the second time, like the first time around, we didn't like we didn't work on our money mindset. We had it. We were so right. gung ho with like we could like we came together as a team and we did it and we conquered it and we were like, Yes. Yeah, we did it. And then right. we got back like, in debt like, and we was like, dang, we here oh, again
1: but we got back in debt because we purchased the home.
0: We did. We purchased the home and so in the yeah. home like okay. we put like $7,000 into the home cuz we purchased a townhouse and we like gutted it cuz it was just like horrible. Yeah. yeah. Um she so we gutted it. I had a vision though. Like I had a vision it was we gutted it and and she that's our but break. that's our investment property today. Like no, I but, had
1: a vision. Oh, oh because no, I had so, a vision. Well hold on because <laughs> you just you just opened the door because what we went back in debt because your our credit had been like the best it, it ever has been ever been, <laughs> and it was right. like, Everything was just being given to us like, yo, no, nah, you get it, you get. It. I mean, <laughs> to the point I go to, we needed a we needed a new car, and they was like, once they ran my credit, they was like, man, you get whatever you want on the lot. <laughs> I was like, yeah. What? But I was smart and I got a little twelve thousand dollar car. This is, We were wise then. Yes. A, a little thing.
0: But <laughs> that didn't take a whole lot of gas because didn't. the commute, you know, to and from DC so to work every day was, I was crazy. Still, I was
1: still smart because I almost mm-hmm. got something and I was like 50-60. But anyway. But and it was what was so funny was that we did not recognize how quickly we fell back in debt because I wanna say from that 25, that next piece was like, it was like it had a jump to 30. Because not only that, remember, we both end up getting raises on our job. And so it opened up more spending opportunity because... It was like, mm. You know so,
0: what? I think it was that credit score, though, because I'm telling like, my credit score was so embarrassing, y'all. So when we got married, I don't know if anybody else listening has experienced this, <laughs> but I grew up in the day where family members would use the kids' credit to get stuff. So by the time I yeah, was I 18 of, uh, and married, like, room. I already had bills in my name that I had no clue, like, what to do with them. And I was <laughs> like... This is not mine, <laughs> and then and then the bamas like our family members had the nerve to not even pay them, so they was like in collections on my credit. Yeah. <laughs> like so what? It, it opened up a whole. Nother... So we started off bad because nobody sat us down before we got married to have the money conversation. Right. So if you mm-hmm. are listening and you're engaged, if you're listening and you are dating, whoever you decide that you want to marry, have that money conversation and, because and it and is, that is so money important.
1: Conversation, Slim. Yes, it is. Yes, right. it is. So now, because I I, I understand, so when we say that, you know, a lot of times we always think of debt, and um, sometimes we miss what is debt and what and is an asset. asset. Yeah, that's good. And so, mm-hmm. for and I've come to understanding that because we recognize that our home, it was not debt; it actually became right. an asset. Now, right. when, when the housing market dropped. Our house was still an asset because mm-hmm. <laughs> we still had a couple of dollars of equity in it. But it's understanding <laughs> that even though you're in a home or you purchase your home, it's not it's not debt, but it's a, it's now has become an asset. But your credit cards and things of that nature is debt. That's debt unless you know how to finagle it any kind. Not of only way. is it debt, but it's a liability. But it's a liability. Yeah. Thank you, honey. There mm-hmm. it is. And so how how do you clarify that when you're dealing with your clients? Because a lot of times we'll look at it, oh, because I literally heard someone say, I heard a couple say, no, I don't want a home because that's too much debt. I was like, what? (laughs) Hold on. Because I had to ask, like, hold on, where you from? You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. if that's how you visualized it, because now you'd rather pay all this money and rent and don't get nothing mm-hmm. off of it. Yeah. But when you can actually go and purchase a home and then right. see, oh, if you buy it today, you can sell it tomorrow and make money off of it, you know what I mean? Right. So it's it's how what uh, what would you say to a client that has that type of mindset, I guess I'll say?
2: Yeah, it's it's funny because I always look at it as is it is it um is it helping you financially or hurting you financially? Mm. And what I mean by that is, so for example, with the $169,000 of debt that I eliminated, 120 of that was from a rental property that I sold. Mm -hmm. And to me, I consider that debt because it was not helping me. It was draining me financially because I had the rental property and I had my mortgage. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, I considered that consumer debt that I had to get rid of because I couldn't float both. And I I did have tenants in it from time to time, but then it turned really ugly. And I said, you know what, I got to let this go. But if I was in a good situation financially, then I probably would have considered it an asset because I would have had, you know, I would have, of course, operated that property differently than what I did before. And it wouldn't be weighing on me financially. So that's how, so I think it just depends on what things you're acquiring and how they're helping your overall financial net worth. Because mm. I do have a friend, um, she kind of views the same thing where she doesn't, she's not a homeowner. She's never been a homeowner and she doesn't want that because to her owning a home, like you said, is debt. is a lot of maintenance for her. So she rather have a, an apartment that she pays whatever amount of dollars each month and have that low maintenance. Cause in her mind, she sees that as a good use of her money. She looks at as a home, even though I consider the asset is more of a debt to her because she doesn't want to be locked into a situation where if the water heater goes or the HVAC goes, how she's going to fix that based on, the income she's currently making she can't see herself kind of figuring that out financially so she'd rather eliminate all that risk and all that potential debt that she thinks she's going to get herself into by just leaving that up to the property manager and having uh and paying rent so to me depending on what you're acquiring for the most part assets are purchasing real estate um I even say you know going to school and investing education that can be an asset too um but student loan is debt so it just really depends like i said because if you have like two hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt with a degree in painting (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if that was a good investment right
0: but if you have two
2: hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt and you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or something Then you know, with those type of backgrounds, you're going to pay that off in the next five to ten years if you're very intentional with paying that off. Right. So in general, you just have to, depending on the person and how they view it, I always kind of break it down like is it is it helping you financially, increasing your net worth, or is it hurting you financially? And you Mm -hmm. kind of have to make that decision based on your current financial situation.
0: Okay. 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 I guess that's fair.
2: Yeah.
0: Cause it's based on their current financial situation. Cause even I consider like a condo and, and I'm a little biased cause I am also a licensed realtor. So I think that if okay. you could own any, you know, any, whether it be a condo, whether it's, you know, something that you are able to own and maybe not have as much risk, it still is giving you mm-hmm. the value of having something. And I will like, I just believe that when you have a home, and again, this is no knock on anybody who's got that belief system. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there, because it's an asset, when you have the asset and you do a good buy, because sometimes you can buy property and it's not the right time to buy and you don't have it. It's, there is no um, equity inside of the home. But when you have equity inside of the home, you're able to pull from the equity and do certain things from the equity. Yeah. And so we yeah. did during COVID, we took a, like great advantage of the interest rates. And we refinanced Mm -hmm. our home and did a cash out. And so it was amazing opportunity for us that we had no idea that we could even do.
2: Right. Right.
1: Right. But six months after we did the six months after we did the cash out, what we took out
0: had already
1: increased, had had already increased increased in value.
0: Just because of the the, because the market was so crazy. So the interest rates went low and literally six months like our neighbor um, paid for the value of their house that they paid because they bought last year. It was ridiculous. When we went back to look at the value of the home, it had already increased in value. One hundred thousand dollars. Like it was, it was crazy. I was like, yeah. "How do you do that?" <laughs> but you can't do that, you know. If you're renting, you can't do that. If you do a buy a bad buy, like right. I would not. Um, as much as again. Real estate is my passion, my blood, my lifeline. <laughs> but it is, like, now it's not the best investment with the interest rates unless you have a strategy. Right. So being able start. to yeah. know what the strategy is, being able to have wisdom behind it, it's always making mm-hmm. sure that, like you said, based on where you are with your finances. So I get that. What risk are you willing to take? Okay. Um. So I, I love that, that strategy.
1: Because it's like, uh, I know f- for us, we wanted to purchase a home. Uh, well, when I got smart, well, when I got smarter with the finances and purchasing a home, I didn't look at it as rent. I looked at it as a continual payment into my investment. And so right. and even as, and because how you put it, because one thing that I learned is that you get your hand on some land. Yeah. You good. You, you good. But the
0: land has to be able to perk. Yeah. You can't yeah. just have land that doesn't perk. Yeah. That's not valuable. <laughs> So just a nugget that, if you're looking for land.
1: <laughs> and so because so now with your client, say they, they they're out of debt, what is the next step? You know, do you begin to talk about the different, you know, investments to build their wealth, to build that that legacy of wealth, you know, um, being able to pass how do you go about with that? Once they say, ah oh, girl, I don't, ooh, we done paid off that thing. Now I got all this money, what I do with it? How do I prevent from? How do I stop going back from where I came? Cause you, cause when yes. you sit back and think about it, you got the snowball effect. Cause I remember, when yeah, we, we did the snowball effect. I snowballed because you know okay. we did the snowball yeah. effect, and I want to say we had like maybe two or three thousand at the end of the month. Like, yo, what are we doing? What are we gonna? You know what I mean? And so, it's mm-hmm. like at that point we we didn't know because we we had we moved into the house, got rid of that stuff, and so now it's like okay now what do we do with this money so what do you do you know with your clients was they have you know hit that goal of girl we done yes all right what i do with this
2: (laughs) yes i always uh focus on investing um my sweet spot i love investing in mutual funds um that's something i always recommend to people if they're really new to investing but even if they're not new to investing just to have some diversification in their portfolio. So with mutual funds, you know, you can start off in a mutual fund like $50 a month and you're investing in 90 to a hundred different companies. And, you know, if you're consistent with it and you, you know, try to max those out to the contribution limit, which I think it's like 6,000 a year if you're 50, 50 years old or less or 7,000 if you're 50 years old, um, older 50 years of age or older and you start really investing in that i mean you can be off to the races depending on your age yeah. depending on um the type of mutual fund you're invested in and the performance so there's a lot of different factors with that so i always say invest in mutual funds whether they're in retirement accounts or non-retirement accounts um also, like you guys were saying, you know, real estate is not a bad investment play. It just, like you were saying earlier to me, it gets to depend on your strategy. Like, I would love to invest in rental property again, because now I know what to do. If <laughs> <'Cause> I got <laughs> the first time. but I would really love to do that to diversify my portfolio, because uh real estate is gonna go up and up and up. You know, right. it's it's never gonna be an asset that's gonna actually go down anytime soon. So whenever I can get in that game, that's something I always suggest. But at the end of the day, I always ask the person, like, what is their fin? So fin stands for financial independence number. Yeah. So what are you looking to have by the time you fully retired in your retirement savings overall? And once they give me that number, then I try to work with them on giving them kind of a strategy investing wise of how they can do it with mutual funds. Now, if they want to look into trading single stocks or ETFs and stuff like that, I can give them some general guidance around that. But I always ask that question because, you know, most people don't think about that. Most people think of retirement as an age, but really retirement is really it's a number. Like right. you have to have the money to retire. You can be 65 and have 5,000 saved for retirement. And guess what? You ain't going to retire. You're going to be working to right. 85 at Walmart. So. Right. right. So you're greeting everybody
0: you coming live through, live through live the live door. Welcome to Walmart. Don't yeah. <laughs> yeah. knock, right. knock for nobody. Don't
2: knock for nobody. Right. There's, there's I some. said, honey, that ain't going to be me. I'm like, I always tell people I'm going to have a million dollar investment portfolio by the time I turn 50. I know I mean, that's I'm right. not too far from that. So. Oh. So that's what I'm aiming for, and I want to be a multi, have a multi-million-dollar net worth, you know, by the time I'm in my sixties. So that's really oh. what I'm aiming for. Mm. I,
0: love love I love it, love it, love it, love it. I have so to shoot for. I know I love it. So tell our audience how they can connect with you, and if you have anything coming up um, this month or you know April, May, or you know anything after that, let us know how we can get in contact with you and what you have coming up.
2: Sure, so um, you can get in contact with me by going to Dollars Makes Sense, which is my website. But April is financial literacy month, so this month I am kicking off my Stack 1K in Three Days Challenge, which is my three-day savings challenge to help you stack that 1K to fund your emergency savings account by the end of three days. So I'm kicking that off this month because, like we were talking about earlier in the conversation, a lot of us are not prepared for life unexpected financial emergencies. Mm-hmm. Right. And most of the time, when it comes up, the first thing we do is okay, where's the credit card? How much sure. we got on it? Right. What can we do? Yeah. Can we get yeah. a personal loan? <laughs> can we a line of credit? What can we do? And we need to be changing our mindset to say, let's leverage our own cash so we ain't got to owe nobody nothing. Right. So do this challenge. We're going to focus on the money mindset. We're going to work on the framework of how to give you that thousand dollars in three days or less because I've helped people save a thousand dollars in an hour. Mm, so I wow. know I can help you save a thousand dollars in three days. So sign up for my stack, stackmoneysavingschallenge.com. That is the website. It's a free challenge. So there's no excuses for you not to be in there. And hopefully I will see you in that challenge.
0: I awesome. love it. And give us the website one more time for the uh challenge.
2: uh stackmoneysavingschallenge.com.
0: Awesome. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it! This is awesome. It was so good having you on the show. I know we have been scheduling and yes. trying to get you on for a couple of months now, <laughs> and I was like, we are finally here, <laughs> and I yes. am so excited, yes. <laughs> so yes. excited that you were able to make it, that you were able to join us. So thank you so much for being able to step in for to come in and to serve our community. We so appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. So if again, if you want to connect with Shaquana, um, make sure that you do the dollars make sense is her website, and then that's also. So all things social media dollars make sense as well,
2: right? That is correct. I'm on TikTok, Facebook and Instagram and TikTok is com. On Facebook, I have a private Facebook group called Wealth Builders. Dollars Makes Sense Wealth Builders Group
0: okay awesome awesome and Thank then you. make sure that you uh, have set aside that time it's absolutely free to be able to save a thousand dollars in three days. three days come on y'all three days three so of. it's just going to cost you your time yeah. to sit in the midst of a challenge for three days and then be able to save a thousand dollars come on y'all so so listen don't come and say well we can't come to the retreat we can't come to the event we can't come to here we can't set aside no money we don't have savings We don't. you can't say that because now you have an opportunity for free to go and to sit in the midst and learn how you can save a thousand dollars so that it could be a blessing to your family you could set aside that emergency savings fund. all right so you gonna pray us out babes sure so we're gonna thank well wait one second one second one second one second last last notes uh last last comments so Shaquana, do you have any final words or any last words of encouragement that you want to offer to the audience
2: I just want to say, you know, no matter where you are in your financial journey, just know that you got this. So just know that your past money mistakes do not dictate who you are and how you are with your money. Be confident in what you know and keep striving and learning more so that you can achieve your financial goals in 2023 and beyond.
0: Love it, oh, thank sweet. you again. And so, ladies and gentlemen, you have heard firsthand for yourself, Shaquana Watson Harkness. She is the money confidence, confidence coach, coach, and we are so excited that she was able to join us on today. So, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to go ahead and pray out.
1: Yes, Father in heaven, we thank you now, God. We give you glory, honor. We thank you for this time, God. We thank you for. We thank you for your presence, Father. We thank you, O God, for even the mindset, Father, just learning about the increase that you bring our way. And so, Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus, O God, that you continue to help our mindset to be free, O God. Because, Father, you said in your word that whom the Son said free is free indeed. And so, God, we thank you right now, O God, for showing us a way. God, even as even as couples, that we continue to work together to build those things that you have already set before us, oh God, that we may not that we can come out of the debt that try to hold us from enjoying the life that you have given unto us. Yes, and so Father, we thank you right now, God, as we continue to move and do those things. Continue to lead and guide us, oh God, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you now. Continue to watch over our guests, oh God. Continue to keep her and her family, Father, in the name of Jesus. Yes, and Father, so we Lord. give your name the praise. Father, we say this prayer in your done, son. Jesus' name. A man, amen, and amen. Amen. I'm
0: your girl, Tamika. I'm your boy, E Mill. And this is Marriage Takeover, signing out.
1: Holler, baby, we can do the heart thing.
0: Marriage Takeover. Takeover. Enjoy today's show. If you'd like to connect or to uh, get a little closer with the Marriage Takeover, feel free to join the Marriage Takeover Connect membership. You can also follow us on all things social media at Marriage Takeover. And we hope that you enjoy the show.